Welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Emily. And I'm Joan of Hart. And uh, we had some technical difficulties, but we're here and that's what matters. Yes, it is. And we have our logo displayed right here. And me, like Vanna White, I'm just going to show it off. I think there's also going to be a logo down like <laughs> there in the far corner on YouTube. <laughs> Yes, it's Where down the there. News right now. There we yes, go. That's ish. And if you click on that one, you can subscribe to the channel. Oh shit. Subscribe. subscribe. And uh everyone who's just listening is like, shut the fuck up about things that you can't we can't see. Yeah. <laughs> stuff and things, things and stuff. I mean, yep. if you can't see uh any of these things, know that as we describe them, they are there floating in your imagination. Imagine them. <laughs> Yeah, we had a uh, latency is a bitch. Let me tell you, totally. we we're having some latency issues. In case you, if you watched or listened to last week's episode, apparently Joe and I were on like a three second latency thing, which is too much latency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would clap, and it would be like, "Have you clapped yet?" And I'm like, "Yes." Yeah, I was, I'd be like, "We go one, two, three, clap, so we can sync," and then I, I'd clap, and I'd be like, "Are you?" Are you doing anything? Are you still not hearing it? And Joe's like, and Joe hears, okay, now on three. And I've already clapped. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I swear I have rhythm. I can, I can, do, I can hit a beat. I swear. <laughs> Oof. I, I think I made my husband mad a, a few weeks ago. And uh, I, I was asked, I was trying to like learn a solo in a different key. I'm like, can you just mm-hmm. play this chord progression on an acoustic guitar? And he's just like going, I'm like, we got to work on your rhythm, baby. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, I just kept looking at him and saying, it's a two-step. He's like, I just don't know what the rhythm pattern. Like it's a two-step. And he just like blank. 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 Like, yeah. It's all right. I Some of us have been there. I, I, I totally relate with him. I've had moments where they're like, yeah, it's this. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> it's almost like it, it works. You know, people talk about like, you have to have the vocabulary and music so mm-hmm. you can communicate yep. with each other. It kind of also works the other way. I think that there's a point where your vocabulary gets it if it's so much more advanced, not even so much more, but if it's like a little bit more advanced to the point where you're struggling to like explain it in, in smaller terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess like one, two, one, two, one, two. Da, 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 da. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that can be about as confusing. Yeah, it can be frustrating because, of course, both parties want to work together. But you have the person going, "Okay, I'm, I'm really, I'm really going lame in terms with you, and you're still not getting it. Uh, how do we navigate this now?" Uh, the other person exactly. is trying too. They're like, "I'm trying." It's just, you know, the brain is like, you know. Yeah. What I've realized this doesn't have though is it doesn't have like a countdown timer. Oh, there it is. I'm like, I, you get a new software, you're like, where is things? Where's so, the countdown? The final countdown. Da, da, da. Um, speaking of final countdowns, it's the final countdown for Full Tone, apparently. Yes. Yes. We didn't know if it was real for a few days because there didn't there didn't seem to be like an official statement. But uh, I think it really became real when people saw that the Full Tone building was listed for sale. And it said the bottom, employees do not know, do not approach employees which I, i've i've learned is just kind of like they'll say that regardless of whether or not that's true just because they don't want people going there and harassing employees anyway which is stupid that you would have to say that yeah. but um i so we don't know we don't know if his employees knew it was going to be sold and ending i sure as shit hope so 
I hope so too, because I've ha- I've known people who have been in situations where uh, the bar is closed or lounge that they're working at, and they did not get any kind of heads up that things were closing. They were just all fired one day, and to now have to go navigate looking for a job with no notice—that's extremely scary. That is, um, that's an asshole. Who does that? That would boy. be a real dick move, as <laughs> as the kids say. <laughs> But um, yeah, so I, I mean, I hope that they had some warning. I hope so. But the letter Fulton put out, it's a doozy. Oh God, yes. It yes. starts. <laughs> it starts normal. It's like with a heavy heart. I announced that Fulton is ending, closing its doors in California, which feels important to me. After yes. thirty years, the building is up for sale. Myself and my crew want to thank you. Don't feel sorry for me. It literally no, says I, don't. I have made mistakes and learned a lot over 30 in years. Uh, my heavy heart is for my employees who are like family. I would have closed full tone years ago if not for them. Okay, that's nice. I mean, it's going from kind of like a was it a good uh, right now, like lawful good, like I'm doing, you know, this thing and we're closing and my employees help me get along, but it will soon go into a chaotic evil diatribe as we progress. I think it starts with that last line. I would have closed full tone years ago, if not for yeah. my employees. Okay. Uh, yeah. Weird, weird ending there. Ish, yeah. Ish. And then it says I've done well financially. Thanks in part to you and to the many large years in the roaring 2000s and beyond plus real estate and some good investment so it's time to enjoy the fruits of that labor i mean that's fair but also overshare yeah a little bit a little bit a little bit, a little bit braggadocious in a way yeah. i can say that i'm closing the full-time california shop because i will not start pumping my personal money into a business that no longer turns a profit okay i mean mm-hmm. it's nobody's nobody should be forced to put their money into a business but that's also kind of part of being a business owner. I, I think if you're a business owner, you're very much responsible for your employees. Yes. Um, but it's, people should, you know, they have their own decisions. He's been obviously in business for 30 years. It's a long time to be in any business. Um, and then he says this four and dot, 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 this four year climate makes a hundred percent made in the USA impossible. What's what's the need to mention that? Like what what climate? Yeah, He's, he doesn't really elaborate. He's had but, a history um, of being overly political, though. Yeah, he's and doubling little, down. Yeah, he's been a little dickish quite quite a bit. That's very uh, in character for him. He has yeah. uh, always had a reputation for being prickly at best when people would have like customer service emails. He would oftentimes blame the guitarist for a pedal being loud or noisy and albeit a lot of times yeah that can boil down to a power supply which is what he seemed to blame a lot sometimes you gotta admit like sometimes sometimes something you sell something it breaks yeah or also like uh internals can somehow degrade or Mm -hmm. also like while building you could have been multitasking and one of them just went off the you know went into the shipment and was you know subpar i've had pedals like that where i've used them and over time they start to have either issues or out the box they've had i've had to send them in and like hey can you fix this because i this isn't working properly and luckily i've had good experience with companies that will help me yeah, because, you know, if you're a business owner, you understand sometimes you yeah. can't have a 100% success rate on your products. No. Like, 
a 0% fail rate is the dream, but also relatively impossible. Mm-hmm. And things, things can happen like cold solder, a pedal gets bumped around. Yeah. It's hard pedals. They are designed to go under a lot of abuse, like literally being stepped on, kind of kicked around on stage, mm-hmm. um, in the bottom of a tour bus or yep. back of a tour van. Things get jostled. They get dropped. Oh, even in shipment. Happens. Yeah. yeah. Even a shipment. Exactly. I mean, the last the last pedal that I had to go back and forth on, I actually contacted uh, Chase Plus because I was thinking my habit was having internal clipping issues. So between me and them, we basically went through the process of like recording video. What are you doing? What's your signal chain? And we talked through it because I said, hey, it could be a me problem. It could be the pedal. But if you could help me source through kind of the process of figuring it out, you know, will kind of weigh whether it's something that you would have to handle or on my end, it's something I'm doing. So I appreciate the yeah. scenario that someone will walk you through it like that. I mean, I, re- I remember once I yeah. tried to do that with a guy who bought a pedal from me on reverb and he just refused. Oh, I remember that. That was horrible. Yeah, that was an asshole. <laughs> uh, just friendly reminder, if you have an envelope filter pedal, um, you need to actually have a decent amount of input go- signal going into the pedal. Yeah. I don't know why this guy didn't want to just like turn his amp down, but he like he turned the volume down on his bass instead. I'm like, no, that then the input, yeah, that's not going to get the signal and not yeah. going to the envelope filter is going to have nothing to latch onto or to react to. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> with that in mind, I highly recommend uh, double checking troubleshoot. Your yeah, yeah, troubleshoot yourself. You. Yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of people do that. Some people don't know how, but that we're getting farther away from it. Hmm. So the next thing he says is a uh, full tone will remain a valid corporation. I'll continue to vigorously defend my $3 million worth of worldwide trademarks and patents. Sounds and we will build a few pedals here and there as I'm vividly aware of what it takes to keep my brand from being stolen. So uh, for people who don't really know much about trademark law uh, to keep a trademark, active it has to actually be active um you can abandon a trademark just by not using it for a while which gibson learned with the recent coronet and satellite amps stuff they didn't publicly manufacture coronets for a long period of time the trademark expired satellite purchased it after trying to talk to gibson and then gibson wanted it back and then they said oh we were actually making coronets in the custom shop um so the trademark is still valid but you have to continuously protect your trademarks and equitably protect your trademarks. You can't just let it slide with some people. A lot of times a cease and desist letter is the start of a conversation or at least a way for you to prove I've been trying to protect hey, my yeah. trademark. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause sometimes you get that cease and desist and what you work out is yes, just keep using it, but we just needed to do this. Yeah, or like the your design is fine, you just need to change the headstock. Like it needs to not look yeah. like this. You're allowed to make the rest of the design, just please change that. And they're like, okay, yeah, oh. I will. Like <laughs> if they're, you know, if they're, they know, if they know it's good for them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that it's kind of interesting. People were making the point that it kind of sounds like he wants to be an IP troll and they're a patent troll. Um, so a patent troll is somebody who just owns a bunch of patents for very vague things and works really hard to enforce them and get paid whenever they can. 
And there's some really famous patent trolls in the world. Um, and patent trolls are bad for bad for advancement because innovation. They'll, yeah, mm-hmm. they'll take a very vague uh, thing that they patented that probably never should have been given a patent in the first place. And then they sue everybody. Like there is a case with a patent troll, and this patent basically would have prevented. I, I think the patent was almost for sending electronic communications. Mm-hmm. It was something very widely used like that. And eventually someone was able to basically get that patent um, uh, thrown yeah. out. They, mm-hmm. like, they threw it out because the person who filed the patent wasn't actually a part of the creation process anyway. Okay. So uh, that was my hair is kind of getting weird with my eye ends. Uh, but yeah, so uh, it, it sounds like he's going to go after people who like rip off his branding. I, Try to take I mean, advantage. I mean, uh, if he's going after people that are using Comic Sans, I mean, I think that would be the greater good of everyone to stop using that font, please. <laughs> I, I would, yeah, no, uh, you can't, and that's the thing, like you can't you really, can't. you can't trademark a font that no, you can't <laughs> widely exists. No, no, that's it. Some people have tried. They've tried, but you can't. Really? You yeah, people oh, have tried. Stupid. That's yeah, so is. dumb. But um, yeah. So um, I I assume that he's going to try to find whatever ways he can, and uh, so maybe think twice before making a blatant OCD ripoff. Or don't. I don't care. Uh, do then think- it gets. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was like, do you think in any vein that he may try be trying to make an approach of doing it himself and having a long waiting list like, you know, uh, Analog, Analog Man, Man does and trying to be exclusive and a long waiting list and everyone clamoring to get it from him and the long wait size for the hype, you know, to uh, I'm, I'm curious if that also is something that could be on the table for him. I, I think that's possible. Um with custom shop stuff, maybe because mm-hmm. people who suddenly there are listings on reverb where they're trying to sell an OTD OCD or something, one of his pedals for uh, a lot of money, like 500 bucks yeah. forgetting that there are thousands of these pedals out there. They are not rare. It's yeah. like charging a lot of money for like a Behringer pedal, but um, there so many people made these to the point so many people bought these pedals, I should say, to the point where um, I think some people got really bored by the sound of it. Uh, it was just, it was the overdrive pedal for a very for a while. long yeah. time. So mm-hmm. that's just a sound. And if you're trying to make your own sound, you, you might sh- sh- uh, shy away from Of course, you may explore to other things. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. Yeah, but that is to say, that is exactly how many of these pedals are out there that it was ever present in guitar music for two decades at least that makes sense then yeah maybe not no. so much yeah <laughs> but i know that he's mostly just been doing custom shop stuff on the website for a while now um <clears throat> they haven't really launched anything new in a long time other than custom shop stuff so i my guess is that's more interesting and it, i i like do people keep buying OCDs? Like maybe, but with so many used ones, I'd have to imagine that would affect the yeah. um. You have to explore new ones. Other 
Yeah, you have to explore other ways of doing the same thing or to add some extra feature to it to make it not sound yeah. like the other one. Or also you get bored building the same thing for so long. You'd want to like, yeah, the custom shop makes sense. Like you yeah. want to build things that kind of get you outside your comfort zone and into creating things that may give you life, you know what I mean, making. Yeah, but like my point is more like just with how many used ones are floating around, I wonder if mm -hmm. that really had an effect on the new ones being bought. I think a lot of people did sell their OCDs or get rid of them after his comments oh, in 2020. Yes. Yeah. And if you're not familiar, he just went very hard against Black Lives Matter uh, protests. And he, there was a woman who he left a comment on one of her posts that basically oh, yeah. said that I would break into your house and steal your pedals because you don't deserve to own them. Yeah. Uh, that's, that was stupid. yeah yeah like you don't say things like that like it's an obvious threat direct threat and to make that kind of statement regardless is yeah that's really cringy that's yeah that's unhinged unhinged crazy batshit crazy yes i agree yeah speaking of unhinged the rest of this <laughs> yes. uh article uh my plans my wife and i bought a well-known artist 17 acre property already brag like why would you brag that's a well-known artist like that's just like humble bragging and world-class recording studio outside of nashville so i'm going to go back to what i'm good at playing guitar and recording my mediocre 70s rock and i'll do the occasional outside project particularly for unknown talent who could never otherwise afford to record through tape machines and great digital let alone have 99 finely tuned vintage guitars 65 vintage amps and a ton of the finest vintage microphones at their disposal what so, is so this? generous so generous this man and meanwhile my employees uh are now unemployed yeah and well, I, I because i, I didn't want to put more gear. Money, yeah because i didn't want to put more money into my own business i just i really do feel like as an employer you have a responsibility to your employees yeah and part of that responsibility is to not um solely the reputation of your brand to the point where you're putting your employees at risk. That's something that a lot of CEOs um, and business owners just seem to not quite get. Like, it's kind of like, it's my business. I'll do what I want. Yeah. yeah. But you, you have a responsibility yeah. for your employees and the business and your, in any of your stakeholders, because employees yeah. are stakeholders for small businesses, especially, but yeah, great power, great responsibility. You know, if we want to talk, you know, but yeah, most, I mean, my, most times they don't. Yeah, they I don't mean, care. like, my husband and I have come really close to buying uh, things by, and then we decided against it after having deposits down because we, the CEO was just losing their mind, and yeah. we we're like, ah, I don't really like what's happening. I don't really want to give him more money to keep investing in batshit crazy things that they're doing. Yeah, exactly. Or running at the mouth, like you know, it doesn't matter what they say. There, there, no consequences will find them. Like. Yeah. Yeah, and in the end, like after all this bragging, uh, let's see. If you're welcome to place a final order, be advised you may not get all of what you request. We don't only like selling back stocks. We'll be closed in the next month or two. Yada yada yada. It's time for the old guy to move out of the way and make room for the geniuses of the next more digital generation, which feels a little pointed. <laughs> oh, um, bye, Felicia. Yeah. Oh. oh. One, not everybody who's making pedals right now who's making interesting pedals is going 
fully digital. No. Um, but yeah, sure. A lot of them are. And that just feels like after all that bragging <laughs> to say, talk yeah, for the yeah. old guy to blah, 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 go yell in the cloud for a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh nashville so i i love nashville and then a bunch of assholes moved there and i was like oh i made a good oh choice. i i have that same problem down here in miami like every every asshole from like you know several places during the pandemic i won't name them all because you know i'm not about to you know put a hit on anyone um uh, but yeah they've all moved here and we've got the worst not that miami wasn't rude already but yeah we've gotten the worst bag of like every location now mm -hmm. meanwhile i think you know people didn't necessarily like completely leave seattle a lot of them mm. moved out to the suburbs were we talking on this podcast about how i read that well over half of people who bought a house during the pandemic regret it because they don't like where they bought their house. They they don't like that they moved out of cities. Maybe. I don't know. But I mean, we we thought about it. And then I'm glad that we didn't. I'm glad we didn't move out to the suburbs or the country or yeah. Idaho as much as I love Boise. Yeah. The commutes yeah. might might have been longer with more people. Density. That's, that be. was the thing. Yeah. You know, people uh, got remote-ish houses during the mm -hmm. pandemic i have friends that did that yep they got called back into the office and mm -hmm. like, ah, damn, damn it, it. <laughs> yeah damn it i thought i was gonna work from home forever no I, I mean obviously it actually was effective and of course you know the management and those people need to obviously be valuable and watch people so they need you in the office yeah that's 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 a big part of it some people mm. work better Offices. It was really hard for my husband to transition to working from home. Yeah, I mean, some people do work really well around other people. I mean, I work better here as opposed to office because every office culture I've been a part of has been toxic. So I'm just like, you know what? I'll manage my own time as long as I get the shit done before the deadline. It's mm -hmm. fine. I mean, I hated commuting. Um, yeah, I, I like commuting. I may, I liked commuting on my bike. Uh, I hated driving when I drive commute. Um, and I do a lot of writing all day. It, it's a yeah. lot easier to do that when you don't have the distractions of an office. Mm -hmm. but it just kind or of I also don't have to navigate being nice to people that I otherwise don't really care for. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, um, no. I mean, I've had to deal with managers that micromanage and are assholes and kind of pretend to be nice to you. But subtly, they like, they're not the nicest people. I had people in my offices who didn't, who really struggled with um, reading social cues, which is not yeah. necessarily their fault. I don't know if these people I'm thinking of were like on the spectrum or something. I think one, one might have been, but Lord, you could, you had a lot. It was hard. It was a little bit hard to, you know, like we were talking last week. It's sometimes it's kind of hard to be nice. Um, no, of course. I, I love some yeah. people at the office and there's other people, like I said, I could care less about yeah. just because their personalities were so difficult. Yeah. But these people, though, like I could say, OK, I need to get back to work now. And they would keep talking. There was one oh, woman no. I had. I had to physically leave the room to get her to stop talking. And she'd be talking at me as I was like exiting the door. Like, okay, and then like yeah, I would. Going. Yeah. So I would like go to the bathroom or go take a lap around around the building she would follow you no she wouldn't follow me but that's okay. like the amount of time that was necessary for her to like reset yeah i this get the you. point where it's like you'd be mm. engaged and couldn't disconnect i get you yeah 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, so let's uh, let's say uh, what, what what do we want to say next? Oh, if you'd like to support this podcast, <laughs> yes. Uh, like, comment, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. The video version of the podcast is now available on Spotify, which is really cool. Um, we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash get offset. For as little as $5 a month, you get access to our Discord server. I know some Discord servers can be pretty overwhelming. Ours is a little bit more laid back, I think, yeah, because it's Patreon only. But mm-hmm. um, it gives you exclusive access to folk like uh, me and joe yep and i respond a lot faster there <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm more active on discords and stuff like that so yeah no. mm-hmm. yeah it's easier i'm bad at instagram mm-hmm. messages and yeah i think i'm decent like at it uh, i think the one that i'm bad at is the tiktok ones like oh I god tiktok messages yeah yeah uh, on the, I am so bad at that. Like, I'll go out and obviously be more on Instagram because I have a lot, yeah, I guess more people there to engage with. Whereas TikTok, my kind of format or things that I do aren't as uh, made for TikTok. So, mm-hmm. as far as like engagement there, like I'll have people send me videos and stuff like that. But I tend to get more in the engaging half of Instagram because it's more of an artist platform since they've gone yeah. back to the way they used to be. Thank God. Mm-hmm. And monetized reels, although I actually do have monetized reels. It yeah. hasn't been updating, but mm. I'm getting money. You know, it's it's not much money for those who are curious. It's like 50 bucks. No, I can't. I am not anywhere near close to being monetized on any platform. So everything that I do, it's... Well, yeah, yeah it takes time. There. Yeah, it, it's, a take grind. time. it's a grind. It's a grind. So uh, your support, Crawling. everybody... Your support on Patreon. Uh, If you're watching this premiere, you can super chat or do like a sticker or something to send us some money. Um, And uh, we have merch at getallsetpodcast.com slash shop. But the best way to support us and my favorite way is to like, comment, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes. Uh, It means a lot and it really helps the podcast get in front of more people, which I think is important. Growth. It is. Growth. Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. Um, uh, so what's what's new with you, Joe? Oh, well, what's what's new with me is uh, this coming week, I'm going to start on the next demo. So I will start to lay the groundwork and do the storyboard for that. And uh, with the new character that I am going to be using, which uh, I'm going to be using my cat Figaro. As you know, he sometimes meows and tries to be a part of this podcast in many other forms. He is very flamboyant and, you know, wants to be a part of the conversation. Um, I made a character, animated character for him. So I can pretty much demo anything, even pedals with just text as art, um, any other kind of gear, guitars, whatever. And that's kind of a character that allows me that freedom. So the best pedal I thought that would be great to do that would be probably the big ear pedals, Albie, because Bert, cat, tuxedo, cat themed, and, and that's what Figaro is. So that would probably be the best way to kind of introduce him in a way that's kind of cat themed. And of course, you know, I appreciate 
uh, Grant and Karen. Um, oh yeah, they do. Yeah. So again, like that, if, if, when I choose petals, it's more or less, I struggled maybe for about a week. Like, what do I want to do? Like, uh, and I thought, you know what, just look at my shelf. What do I have already? What do I, what do I really feel inspired or that I would really have fun doing versus like whatever's new or next? Because I look at my board, I'm like, I'm okay for now. I have petals I would like, but I'm also in a buying freeze. So, um, regarding that, okay, what's on my shelf now? What would no. be fun to explore? And again, it's not like a paid promotion. Like it's, it's on, it's on my shelf. Like that's, um, it, it makes it easier if I'm into whatever the pedal or subject is. If I'm not into yeah. it, yeah, I'm not going to produce, I'm not going to put out the best thing possible. So it mm-hmm. will take me time to go, you know what, that, I think that'll work best. So yeah, um, this week I'll start with the storyboarding and trying to plan things that I already have uh, a few good ideas regarding that. So, so far good. that's, that's what's going on. Nice. Yeah. I mean, when I started the demo channel, it was mostly with pedals that I, I owned and with which I was familiar. And I think that really helped me turn out, churn out a lot of content faster. Yeah. And um, as I, I, you know, as I get new pedals you, or gear at all, you have to spend time and you learn, have to it. learn it. it. Can, yeah. It can take a while. And um, though I, my, my kind of what's new is um, I did my first demo on, oops, a synthesizer. Get that quick down. I got the JX08 from Perfect Circuit. That's awesome. So this is one of the Roland Boutique synths. Uh, it they also sent me the little keyboard no, for I it. Play with one of those. Yeah. Yeah. The keyboard's not necessary though because you can hit all the notes here by itself. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's been really fun. Uh, thank you again, Perfect Circuit, uh, for the JX08 and the. Uh, k25m keyboard huge huge fan of it please check out the demo y'all if you haven't already i'm really proud of it it took a while to do because i've never i've never used a synth before so um just being able to have some time with it perfect circuit was really patient with me which i really appreciated like they sent me this in early june it Hmm. took me it took me a while um, oh, I mean, it's it's completely new. It's going to take you time. Yeah. You at least want to be a little bit comfortable when you're doing things like a demo. Yeah, exactly. Because mm-hmm. uh, you you don't want to be too wrong about too many things. I know. I find <laughs> most 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 demos. I, I really think there's mistakes in a lot of them. Oh yeah, um, there's always mistakes. Yeah, I mean, I misspeak. Uh, sometimes yep. I'll say the opposite of what I mean, um, or I'll, or I'll trip up words and i'm just like no. you know what? <laughs> yeah yeah so you know you do your best to be as accurate yeah. as possible but sometimes yeah 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 you're a person and I'm not a like machine. this is this is so this is so new um yeah. and i just wanted to do something a little bit more interesting with it because almost all the demos for it like there were a couple hmm. that actually went through the features most of those were extremely long most yeah. of the demos were just people like playing through each patch i'm like oh. Okay. That doesn't help. Yeah, like that doesn't. Yeah, I've done that too. Like if it's a pedal yeah. I already have, I'll watch through other demos and I was like, okay, and watching this, what do they miss and what could I do that is different from what they did mm-hmm. but makes it accessible for someone like me? Because that's always yeah. how I think about it. There's someone else out there like me. What would they appreciate knowing about this? And I let that be the North Star usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you don't want to do things that people no. have already no, done. I don't want to copy anyone, and everyone no. is unique. No way. Everyone is unique, and they yeah. have different levels of uh, 
playing skills. Mm -hmm. uh, Mary, you, you sent me a video uh, that Mary Spender released this week. You want to talk I about love, it? Yeah, I, I love Mary. Um, I love her insight. Uh, she has a YouTube channel, if you don't know, Mary Spender. Um, she does YouTube videos that kind of give you the background of being a musician, obviously, in an industry, and also as a YouTube personality or content creator. And the one that she did recently was about YouTube music musicians and whether because they don't play out or they never have play live and the fact that they record themselves have multiple takes are they frauds or does that take away from their musicianship and she had like an eight minute video or so going through the process of speaking about that and for me it was really insightful as someone that I do majority of demos or music where I'm in my home doing it. I mean, mm -hmm. and the different types of musicians. She said there was three types of YouTube musicians that she went through the process of stage fright, you know, what the difference, because there is a difference between playing live and of course playing in your home. Um, and we can, we can discuss some of those um, that she talked about, but what my takeaway thought, I thought it really was insightful in a positive conversation regarding YouTube musicians or demo artists, if you will, um, that it's all really valid. It's, you know, everybody is going to, there's going to be mistakes, whether you play out or whether you play your home, like PU, there are going to be mistakes. It's how you handle it live, which is the difference of if you're at home, you have, you kind of have to be almost perfect. Like the pressure is even higher on YouTube, you know, and doing video recording because that is going to be played over and over. Like that is like a delay pedal in which yeah. you la la la. Uh, la, 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 la. Yep. There's that mistake. And yeah. like, it's always going to be there. I have even in like my demos, there are things that I've, I've, I've let go that I know it's something that I couldn't record again. It was something that happened and I had to be okay with it. But anytime I watch it, I know no one else does, but, no, they, I will always know. Honestly, they might. Honestly, they might. <laughs> or yes, because that thing. is the other thing. Yeah. It, it's like live, live people more will. Forgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is live people might notice it, but they'll move on from it really quickly. Yeah. Um, my, my, my friend Marina, she says that, you know, people only remember the last note and mm -hmm. most, most of the crowd only remembers the, beginning the last and the note. Last. Yeah. So like, even if it's, even if it's weak in the little week in the beginning, they'll be forgiving as long as it comes together in the end. Yeah. Um, and you as a musician, like you, you know, when you make mistakes and you get <laughs> mad at yourself about it. I got really mad during my last uh, country music gig because I worked so hard on a solo yep. and just the way shit came together is I just couldn't fucking play it. And so what do I do? I, I lost my spot in the middle of the solo. And I got really mad. It was the end of the first set, which made me matter. Um, but I, I had to pull myself together, and uh, I Play played that. the second the second half relatively mistake free, which which made me glad. But and then I put out a video on TikTok of me just playing that solo, and I'll be honest, it it took me a couple takes because I wanted it to be perfect. Yeah, but okay. I did it. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing is like live, it's dynamic. And the crowd is there with you and they're forgiving and be partially because they, they don't remember, but on YouTube, people will, they're, they're more judgmental. Firstly, yeah. extremely. Yes. And extremely. also extremely. 
in a live situation, there's less likely to be hecklers as opposed to online because you have people around you. If you want to be an asshole, somebody may give you consequences. <laughs> Whereas yeah. if you're online and you're typing like the most like atrocious fucking thing, you're like, ha ha ha, you know, like you can't get me. I can say what the fuck I want with my keyboard courage. Yeah. I mean, I if you if you're one of my shows and you like yell at me that I suck, I'm going to talk to you. At the end, I'm going to come for you afterwards. We're going to have a conversation come unless you leave like, early. Yeah, we're going to have a conversation <laughs> about how to treat people. Or you're going to get yelled at from, or I'm going to say something or from security. the stage. Like, yeah. like, yeah, I'm like, hey, you want to come up here? You want to co yeah, come up here and play play yeah. a solo by Mr. Telecaster himself? No. That's yeah. why most of the people who come up after a show, they're nice. And uh, they they spent money to be there. And, mm. it, and you would think it would be the opposite, that if people spend money to be there, they'll be less forgiving. But they came there to have a good experience. You're part of the experience. Of and for some reason on YouTube, people are are, are more, um, uh, oh gosh, what's the word for feeling like you deserve everything? <laughs> like they, <laughs> they feel like they deserve get, more. Yeah. yeah. So they, they're, they're entitled is the word. Mm -hmm. they're, they're really a lot more entitled. And that's why it feels like things have to be perfect. And you don't really want mistakes on a record either. No. No. But they And how many takes does that take when you're recording in a studio or, or just for a record? There's yeah. multiple takes. Like people yeah. have this weird, strange, like perfectionism. Like, oh, yeah, this record is perfect. And it's like, do you know how many takes that took? Like, yeah. it wasn't the first try. Even records that were recorded live often have dubs. People yeah. talk about, oh, Purple Rain was recorded live. I'm like... Yeah, but it was also heavily edited and Prince went in and he redubbed parts of that solo like Prince did because yeah. there was stuff he did live that he didn't like. And mm -hmm. most musicians aren't one take wonders anymore. It used yeah. to be like you'd have a really and that's another thing about like time and investment. You used to just like really rehearse the shit out of your band and go and, re and record or you hired these incredible session players who could do it in a a, a quick number of takes but you, you you see george like singers even like george jones the greatest singer in country music history probably uh you listen to those takes and he had to take so many takes of a lot of these recordings partially because he was wasted during them and sometimes still the best take had like a weird vocal flub in it they would pick the right notes but they would like the best take they would get sometimes would, would be have perfect. the mistake in it yeah it would be a yeah and people notice it 50 years later 60 years later 70 years later and um it's so it's you don't there's that permanence of a mistake when it's yep. recorded versus when it's not mm -hmm. so the intensity and the pressure is on a little bit higher when it comes to recording things and you care more and it does it does get rather stressful i mean there's still i mean in both instances there's still stage fright or there's both still the anxiety and fear that's associated I mean, yeah. with performing yeah that doesn't I go get, away i get mad when i film myself and have mistakes yeah. i used to i used to not <laughs> edit <too>. out <laughs> i used to not edit out my mistakes a lot um hmm. and and now i edit them out more just because i got really tired of and i still get tired of the comments where people are like, oh, you made a mistake while you were like casually walking through this pedal. I'm like, let me turn this, da, 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 da. let me turn this. Oh, that's the wrong chord. Oh, yeah, because we have to be perfect. Weird. We have to be a machine. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It is weird because, you know, especially even if you're trying to go for that sort of organic feel, hmm. if it's not live, it's just less forgiving. No, totally. And again, like 
I was saying in regards to doing live, even like live script streaming. I mean, I've had anxiety while streaming because something will mess up. Like I'd be messing with uh, the game staging at one point on a stream and nothing would start working. So it's like the inner monologue would just go super loud of like all these things that are going wrong, which is perfectly normal because even at the level of like where I am or you are, even like uh, I would say maybe Amy Mann, I've listened to one of her podcasts that she did before the pandemic called The Art of Process. And even at their level, they fuck up. She'll yeah. be playing a set. She'll blank because of anxiety or something will come about and she'll have to yeah. navigate through it. She watched someone else playing and she noticed that he made a mistake. She was like, oh, and that was kind of like an aha moment because she realized, oh, they all do it too. It's not just me. Like they just play, kept playing and playing through it. I noticed yeah. it, but they just kept going. And you got to remember that a lot of the people who notice your mistakes, it's it's usually the mu musicians who really notice them, and they're they're yeah. the ones who don't give a shit. If no, you're real, they understand. Real, yeah. if you're a real one, it'll happen. You know, it, it's like Kathy Valentine said in her book that she never got sexism, like really bad sexism, for from real musicians. That most of the other people who were real musicians in the scene were very welcome of, welcoming of her and, and other women. And that's the thing. I think musicians are more forgiving to other musicians like oh yep i would have done that too or oh yep i've been yep. there <laughs> I've instead been there, of like yep. oh what a fucking fraud oh you yeah. should learn how to play guitar before you go on stage like no nobody's ever said no. that i mean if you're not I, an asshole yeah yeah i mean again like whenever any of the comments online i think for the most part my brain is worse than anything i think that anyone comment wise has like laid like anytime like i'm kind of doing a recording i usually have like the inner monologues that kind of go like this you just made a mistake even though you rehearsed all this time it doesn't matter they will know that you play the same line every time they know you're a fraud why do you bother? You suck. You're not a real musician. You're just a clown in front of a camera. And that the thing is, that's not true. Like, no. another thing Mary talks about is, you know, there obviously there are different types of musicians. There are musicians who play live. Mm -hmm. And there are sometimes there are different people from the session musicians. My friend Maurice, he was a touring musician with Megan Trainer. I don't think he was ever on one of her records. So it's just a different, it's a different type of playing. It's a different type of musician. And they're not like the pe person who goes on tour isn't always the person who records in the studio. No. We talked about that in the, in the episode uh, about Demi Lovato and Nita. Nita, yeah. Um, that, you know. Live is different than the studio. Different. I mean, Nita's being, is allowed to basically do her own kind of solo kind of stuff at times on stage. Like that's. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's, um different it's just a different mm -hmm. kind of playing it's a different kind of rehearsing because you are rehearsing more for perfection and and high pressure and you know it's not always anxiety that makes you mess up on stage sometimes you just zone out sometimes yeah. you're really calm and you're just really into it and you forget about oh, a change shit. that you all decided on <laughs> yeah you know maybe you're playing and one thing that happens a lot is in in the types of gigging i've done mm -hmm. <laughs> frankly the singer messes up the singer makes a transition in a weird spot and then yep. everyone else has to I've follow the singer yep i've had to and, do that yeah and then maybe if, if you just like weren't paying close attention or weren't expecting it 
maybe some people can recover from it a little bit better than others. But if you've like gone through it, gone through it, gone through it, and then suddenly the singer decides to call an audible or just yeah. forgets <laughs> and yeah, you're kind I, of I've left that. high and dry. Um, but you know, I do both. I, I do live and I do demos. I sort of prefer playing live. I like playing live more than I like filming the demos, partially because the feedback I get for my work is more positive. And mm -hmm. it, I, I shouldn't say I just do it for the feedback, but it is discouraging when someone is, when people can be so mean because you're just, when, especially when the purpose of like the demo stuff, it's often to be casual. Sometimes it's not, but like those recorded performances. Yeah. They have to be perfect. Yeah. Do you want someone like to make a GIF or like a small, like looping video of like when you hit the note wrong? No, no. you want it to be perfect. Just like you want your record to be relatively perfect. Yeah. Um, you want, if there are mistakes, sometimes mistakes happen for yeah, that's, the better. They do happen. Yeah. So, like I'm, I wrote a whole article for reverb about mistakes in the studio that made the songs better. Yeah. Um, Sometimes so, the flaw is is the hook. <laughs> like it's sometimes crazy. It's, yeah, sometimes it's what yeah. makes it interesting. Some like mm -hmm. like um with with Prince, uh there's one song, uh Forever in My Life, where the engineer, Susan Rogers, she just missynced the tape. And so the like the background vocals were supposed to follow the main vocals. There comes a time, there comes a time, but the background vocals were coming before the lead line. It mm. was a mistake. Prince loved it. And it's one of the more memorable things about that beautiful, beautiful song. And yeah, uh, yeah so, you know, mistakes, people sweat yeah. them a lot. Um, I think the people who sweat them the most are, I, I would say like that's like not being a real musician. <laughs> No, I, I don't think so either. Honestly, and again, going back to the live situation of when like a singer messes up and you're the rest of the band, it's the key point of like when the other musicians look at each other like, okay, what are we doing? Like as a team, because then you have to, if they sing a prior verse, you're like, okay, we now have to extend and play a little bit longer or figure it out on the flub. Then it's that whole look back and forth at each other like, yeah. shit. <laughs> That instant communication that just comes with yep. practice. The, the more you play with a band, mm -hmm. the more you can just like shoot somebody a look and have look, like a yep. whole ass conversation with them. Yep, with just the look. <laughs> yeah, it's always pretty fun too. Yeah, uh, just do. like look that. at somebody and be like, oh, yep, this is what we're doing now. Yep, this is what's happening. Yeah. yeah, so I totally understand that. And even for me, like I, I like any opportunity that I get to play live because, you know, as far as whenever this opportunity comes, I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. But at the same time, most of my time or most of my work has been, well, here, even, you know, doing demos thing or recording music myself or remotely with other musicians online that don't live where I am and sending tracks back yeah. and forth. And I'm comfortable in doing this but if i get the chance to play out like i like that experience too but i'm yeah. most comfortable i guess here just because it's in my own space like it's it's i'm surrounded by things i like so yeah for the most part yeah and like you and i were talking and, and i i said i'm not really mm -hmm. comfortable with a set of songs until it's the second third yeah gig with those and i don't always get that opportunity no so and it's frustrating like, it's so frustrating yeah like uh the first year i did the the women in country series we had two 
two performances. It was a uh, it was a double double bill, double header kind of thing. So we had an early show and an evening show, and then it changed to just one show this year. And I was like, it made obviously my day shorter, um, yeah. but it I I always felt more rehearsed and I felt better the second performance. The matinee felt like a warm up. Yeah. Um, so to lose that is also kind of it honestly it made it a little less fun for me because yeah, I, I, I didn't get extra that extra like rehearsal feeling like jitters and stuff that's why that's why there are matinee rehearsals dress rehearsals for performers of all kinds um otherwise y- you don't have as much time to get um like reacclimated with something and it's it feels that way in recording too like do people expect the first take to be the take? Like, is why do people think it's cheating to take multiple takes or even comp together different parts of a take when it happens on every record? Shit, it happens yeah. on Austin City Limits. If you think that's live, I got a bridge in Brooklyn, I should tell you. <laughs> hope it's a fair price. Oh, no, it's not. It's no. really expensive. <laughs> I'm really going to, I'm going to really going to. You're going to really hike that up. You're like, yeah, oh. Like, <laughs> no, no. But yeah, even even in my case, the conversation that we had, um, it went from being like one gig and I was practicing like six, seven hours a day. And again, it was knowing music in a short span of time, which I wasn't accustomed to and half of it being originals in a short span of time with a gig coming up the following weekend. And I had been two and a half or so years without really doing anything like that. And then after that gig came about the following they were like you know what the venue confirmed but it was too late to do promotion so we'll move it to december and i'm just like i have you know any of the mistakes that i made i now after practicing this whole second week i don't have a redemption like and I'm you have to practicing. have to relearn them essentially is what's gonna yeah, happen i'll keep i'll keep doing it you know obviously until that point but it's just like like it was kind of like a few days of being kind of like all that investment in time and then like okay the second gig i'll be warmed up enough to obviously i'll be more comfortable with the material um to feel like i can kind of thrive a little bit but i didn't get that so it was just like fuck i I mean i wanted it (laughs) totally it 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 really do be like that sometimes you know yeah it is i I learned I spent a lot of time learning some really hard songs for a friend, hoping that I get two or three gigs out of it. And it ended up being one and it wasn't her fault, obviously, but you know, I I came in knowing that it might just be one gig. It might be all three. Um, And then some of the other gigs, they just got canceled because of the venue. Um, Mm. So I'm like, I'm glad I learned those songs and I felt really good about what I did. I also didn't push myself on some of the things. Um, I I had my charts out. I had my notes out. I I wasn't too sh- I wasn't shy about oh, being like I, I want to memorize too. everything because mm-hmm. memorization costs extra. Yeah. Um, but it was and then there was the secondary solo in one of the songs. I was like I don't want it. I I some I let's just jam. I'm like I. It was short notice. It was not like the shortest notice, but I'm like I've put everything I have into making sure the base elements of the song that yeah. people are going to remember are good. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna I I not going to noodle and try to with no brain i had no brain space left <laughs> at that no point. at certain yeah at certain points where i had an issue where one of the songs we didn't rehearse as much that i kind of blanked at one point i tried to in those little spaces kind to 
play a little bit closer to what was going on. So safely kind of filling the space, but obviously yeah. not way to rehearse, but anybody else wouldn't have known, you know what no, I mean? Like, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. I play it safe. If there's something like either I don't play and I'll wait till I come back in or I'm like, okay, well I know enough to know what key it's in so I can fill the space with something that sounds relatively uh, interesting, yeah. but is not going to obviously distract or put me out there too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, my friend, Sean, we were talking about something. He's like, mm -hmm. yeah, the, those they're not the hardest songs for me, but they're hard enough that I can't just bullshit my way through the whole set. Yeah. <laughs> no. which you know is, is fair it's very fair um it's hard to do that yeah and there can just be a lot of elements that, mm -hmm. that happen live um and you know in, in the studio it's also it's, it's a very different environment there's a there's this even in warmer studios there's a sterility to it you're not playing to anybody no i think singing in a studio environment or this kind of environment it's kind of sterile mm -hmm. it's weird it's yeah. weird not singing to anybody or not performing to anybody. You're not, you don't have that energy to kind of attach yourself to. Um, and I, it's just like the pressures of it are, are different. And, you know, well, there is. everybody I know who posts like videos of themselves playing live. I know Fabi Reyna has done this. Uh, Spencer from Charlie Bliss has done this. They post their video of them like getting it perfect and they mm -hmm. post a screenshot showing all the video takes on their phone <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean i appreciate that vulnerability and honesty really yeah it's just like pull back the it's curtains the a little bit yeah and, and, and most of these people who complain they no i doubt idea. that most of them could get perfect takes every time no. the first time no no they can't i mean in no. talking about the whole studio uh situation uh near the end of 2020 i did some remote work with uh, another musician for that project that i've mentioned um beneath velvet skies where we sent in a demo we had to go into studio i had to drive to atlanta to go to this record studio to do this and yeah like it's me in a booth with a headset on in front of a mic and they're playing it over and over again and they're telling me to do things which are really outside like they're like okay well i need you to smile with your teeth while you're sitting Singing, or I have to like when I'm about to sing I have to stomp to like really engage like my core to like belt a little bit harder yeah. than I was that's not really like a natural thing that I was accustomed to doing and mm -hmm. it was kind of like okay I guess you kind of give me a few takes to kind of get comfortable they also didn't like that when I sing I have a natural vibrato they're like with this I want you to not do that I was like so okay on the spot you want me to eliminate something that is naturally occurring to me for this song and try to sing in a way that doesn't engage like that kind of uh you know muscular uh natural thing that I do so that also was kind of weird uh to be in a situation where I had to then change the way I do things like on the spot you know but so yeah it was it was kind of a weird experience and not like something like would be live which would be a little bit more forgiving in the way that I would deliver something if it you know obviously plays towards the song and that's the style of music but in a studio they're going to be trying different things things you're not going to be comfortable with sometimes and also mm -hmm. in a way that can be sterile because it's taking away your feeling of i usually sing it this way i feel like it gives it character and they're just like yeah. no we don't want you to do that and i'm like shit 
Yeah, I I mean, I've heard like really great songs that I feel like the vocal performances are just very sterile. And I know yeah. somebody was in this video being like, do less of that. I yeah. like I like gritty vocal takes, especially from from women, frankly. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like there's a lot of pressure for women to have very angelic or or operatic breathy. voices. Yeah, very breathy. Breathy or yeah. an, an angelic or operatic like oh, and soprano uh, usually like yeah. i am not a soprano singer and they always want that female singer that does these high belting and i'm like no i'm like an alto like i'm as them. you can hear my voice is pretty low and even when i sing it's a low register even when i yeah belt. yeah it's it, there are just uh weird people think weird the, the industry yeah, weird preferences. studio is just weird yeah <laughs> yeah there's not as much room for women who have imperfect voices as there is for men who have weak weak voices frankly i think matt berenger from the national for example i love his voice i love the character of it mm -hmm. i would never say he's a great singer and that that doesn't literally doesn't matter i love the whole study no. i love craig fenn nobody would call craig fenn a great singer no Most I mean, people don't call david berman a great singer but they make up no. for it in character jimmy hendrix not a great singer character oh, no. though so much yeah. color in their voices i mean you made it interesting the most extreme i would say in that aspect is like if you think about the pogues guys sound like he was <sighs> shit-faced drunk like never on key or whatever like sounds horrible well, he because like, he was yeah. he was exactly <laughs> but it it lent to the character of the music so it was mm -hmm. that that was the music you came for that <laughs> sometimes the the music matching the vocals is uh important it's very yeah. important it's like there was um I think it was like Elvis Costello, Marcus Mumford, Rhiannon Giddens, and Taylor from Dawes. They were all brought together to uh, add music to old Dylan lyrics, I think. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of the criticism about the song that Taylor uh, Goldsmith, Goldsmith, I think, uh, picked was that his voice is too sincere for the lyrical content of the song. And I was like, he's got a very sweet, sincere voice. This is true. It wouldn't lend so, itself. Yeah, I get what you mean. I mean, I'm not sure I agreed per se, but I under I I mean I understood where the criticism was coming from. Um, but yeah, you don't have to agree with it. Um yeah. and one last thing I'll say about the difference between like YouTube musicians taking a bunch of takes to get a song right versus live musicians, that live musicians are well rehearsed because they play a lot of them play those songs night after night after night after night for years some of them sometimes so like by the end of a tour even midway through well before you start you've had weeks of rehearsals potentially daily ones depending on the size of the band or if it's your band you play the same songs you've been having weekly rehearsals for months when you're doing a video live for youtube and this is my case a lot i've literally just learned that song Mm -hmm. or i've yeah. just written it and uh it's it. not, yep. yeah it's not <laughs> something that's in my it's not something that's in my back pocket it's not something that i have down pat because i played it 100 times i've probably played it like 15 mm -hmm. tops so that also is is lends to like multiple takes because you just you need to get more well rehearsed with it but you don't have time to spend you know three weeks learning a song just to make a video you never no. fucking have any content no you have to basically do the thing to basically facilitate the vehicle which 
is the demo channel. Like you have to put things out. So to say, okay, I'm going to rehearse this for three weeks before, if I was talking with my friend who's heavily technical, he was like, no, you have to drill it for X amount of time, be perfect, and then record it. I was like, I have lost so much time there. Yeah. Uh, uh, perfection isn't really what I'm going for. I am a person. So to, I try to, no. but it, no. <laughs> and something that people talk about sometimes is like, um, CGI isn't cheaper than no. like actual real effects, but it is faster. It's a lot faster to CGI Less something in than have, yeah. um, uh, uh, what, what's it called? Which is like a real physical, like animatronic effect. Uh, but there's a specific word for that versus computer practical generated. effects versus practical effects yes. versus mm -hmm. virtual effects. That's yeah. thanks, Joe. I, I like practical, to be honest. Everybody likes practical, and practical. sometimes practical is cheaper than CGI. Yeah, but it's fuck so much slower. Yes, there's so many more hours that the actor spends in the chair. Like, yeah, I can understand, but also it's again, like, sometimes. yeah, I mean, you have in some instance, like less people on some end regarding like the C, you know, CGI, but at the same time, like, yeah, you're spending money on people putting on all this makeup. The same is true for recording music. Yeah. You can have somebody down there and drill, make them drill it 15 times, 20 times, 30 times until they get a, a perfect take, or you can comp them together. So you always want to comp them together. Like, Hey, we got the first part. Let's redo the verse. Vocalists yeah. have been doing this for ages. Punching people in is not new. It predates uh, computer, uh, it predates digital recording. People were comping tracks together with tape using slicers. Mm -hmm. And they were comping together takes mostly than like specific guitar solos sometimes. But it doesn't mean they weren't doing it. it I mean, like I said, Prince literally did it. So, and he was um, not even a perfectionist in any way in the recording but also was very technically good technically proficient played live a lot and was just uh, a genius in both in terms of his musicality and uh, a physical genius the same way like lebron james is it's uh the combination of those two things and yet he still dubbed things sometimes yeah and even the performance not only uh with doing these and recording various takes it's still very physical thing as much as live is you know yeah. i have i have health issues so when i'm spending hours and it's like 3 a.m and i'm still recording things and trying to do things i'm tired mm. i don't feel well even physically on my worst days and i the takes i don't get them and sometimes i have to be okay with that like yeah. and also when you think about the live scenario there's some musicians that it was one of one of the uh three musician types that go on YouTube, one of them just doesn't want to do the touring or the live performance because the physicality of it and the extreme, obviously, stage fright that they might get, that they don't want to deal with that anymore. So they go to, you know, obviously more of a controlled environment. I mean, Adele- People do that too, for their families too. Yes, yeah, that too, yeah. just to be around their, their families. But yeah, like Adele pukes. I mean, like there's people that have physical reactions to like being live and then don't want to experience that. I think yeah. as far as like my dad is in a tribute band, like Aerosmith tribute band, and he always tells me, he's like, yeah, I puke before the show. Like that, it's a very physical reaction to, you know, trying to basically get out there and do the thing. Like it yeah. does tax the body as well as yeah. when you're filming multiple times here inside. I mean, you're holding the guitar, the guitar can get heavy over time. It's physical.
It's harder. It, your fingers start to hurt. It's like if you do a bunch yeah. of face takes sometimes. Yeah. Um, the, the lights get hot. My studio gets so mm-hmm. hot when it's hot outside because I don't have AC. It's south facing. I, as of now, though I will be doing this soon, have like blackout curtains or anything. Hmm. So like I have like limited time frames of when I can even like do these types of recording. Record and do. Yeah. I have time yeah, frames Yeah, so too. sometimes. But like live e- Going on tour, extremely physically taxing. Yeah. I don't care Nita who you are. Nita always talks about it. Yeah, you can you can have like the the red carpet white glove treatment when you do uh, go on tour. Yeah, it's still hard. It's like you're up, you're up it's early. It's hard on moving. both sides. Yeah, you travel a lot of travel. Uh, you're probably not eating as good as you you're would eating crap. at yeah. home. <laughs> because frankly, like you're more likely to get food poisoning from a salad than a burger from McDonald's. Mm. So the last thing you want is bad stomach problems while you're on tour. You are, it's like the back pain that truckers get from driving around, like standing around, loading and unloading. Like you're sitting on a plane for hours. Yeah. If you're lucky, you've been sitting on a plane for hours, a bus for eight, um, not knowing where you're going to sleep, not knowing how you're going to sleep. Sleep problems are pretty major, even with like the road crews. And and, like sometimes, if you're like a hired gun, just knowing constantly that you could be replaced at any minute, anytime, emotionally stressful for a lot of people. Again, there's that anxiety and that stress of that. Like, if I don't nail this this one night, the intense pressure of like, hey, they could replace me, call in a guy next week and I'm gone. Like, the pressures are on both ends. I mean, obviously. In live, you have the pressures that you have and the stress and physicality of it, but you also do when you're recording and doing this stuff too. I mean, it's they're both valid and they both have their own pros and cons. It doesn't take away from the musicianship that's involved, whether you want to go out and do that and wreck your body or deal with all the high pressure stress or you come home and kind of do that too. But at least, hey, afterwards, you can sleep in your own bed. Yeah, it's, and it's it's also easier to make money touring, so that yeah. is another part of it. Of but like studio musicians, like you get to be closer to your family. Mm-hmm. Um, you can sleep in your yeah. bed most nights, or yep. like, or you're if if you're flown out somewhere else to record, like a, probably a decent hotel, but in the same place yeah, for you want routine a period yeah. of time. You get routine, mm-hmm. and it's less taxing on the body. It's also harder work to get. Mm-hmm. So um, they're, they're, they're just trade-offs. Uh, but, you know, if, if you are actually a musician with a, a, a modicum of, like, empathy and you're not a complete narcissist, you should yeah. be able to understand that sometimes people make mistakes. Yeah. And if someone takes – if it takes them 10 takes to get, like, that video that they want to get, that doesn't mean they're fake musicians. No. They're still play, you're still playing it. Music. It's yeah. just, it's just you're, you're playing it multiple times just to get it down. And I, I, I do think that the thing that most of those people don't think about is that touring and live musicians generally have a very long time to nail, get the set nailed down. They still yeah. fuck up. Yeah, they still do. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. if you're doing a video, you pro again, you probably pretty recently learned that song because mm-hmm. you're just trying to put out new, 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 new content. New. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, like so, you're yeah. doing it right then and there. Like, hey, this sounds great. Like, this will be great for this demo. Like, that's about as fresh as it is sometimes. It's an improv thing you probably were curiously noodling one night before, and you're like, okay, that'll be good for this. And then there you go. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that feels like a, a, a good place yeah. for... I, I feel like I've gotten it out of my system. <laughs> Is there anything else, anything else that you want to say to kind of close it up? Uh, I think for the most part, again, it goes back to all musicians are valid as long as whatever you hear sounds good. And I know that's subjective to most people, mm -hmm. what is good and what is not. Um, I think it's all for the good and it's all valid, whether no. you feel more comfortable in front of your computer screen or whether you enjoy being out in front of a crowd, you are still a musician, even if you clock in a nine to five, or even if you are hopping on a jet to fly to Japan to play mm. something, we're in a recording studio. As long as it's all coming together for the act of creating art, music, facilitating some kind of uh, process of creation, I think it's it's valid honestly. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone should allow them the kindness to appreciate that in each other and be less hard on each other in both settings, because both those musicians and creators are working their ass off. Like this isn't something that, Oh yeah, you, you know, it's, uh, I'm just doing it for, you know, free shit or whatever. Like that doesn't exist. Like I'm still making <laughs> a demo. No, like I am still working my fucking ass off. Like I don't, yeah. you know, I don't get shit cause I have tits. Like that just doesn't, it's, it's work. Like, and I think we should really appreciate a lot of the content and music that people are putting out there in both, both settings. Yeah, sure. Uh, I completely agree. Um, thanks so much for putting it like that. Um, just <laughs> be nicer to each other, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's, uh, I know. The world is going to shit. Please, no. just fucking be nice to each other. Like, be, be nice. excellent to each other. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's Bill and Ted it. Yeah. Uh, so, everybody out there, again, please like, comment, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes. Um, check us out at patreon.com slash get offset. Check out Joe's channel, Pedal Playhouse. Pedal Playhouse. You're already here. Get offset, probably. Um, but yeah, everybody out there, thanks for watching. Thanks for understanding.